Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold, and this week we have part one of my interview with Ashley Ray, which I taped uh, over the summer, and what a talent and a delight she was to speak to. Um, you're going to love, you're going to love her. I also want to tell you about my upcoming gigs because I need you to come to them this week on Saturday. I will be at the sunshine cathedral in Fort Lauderdale at 8 PM. It's a really fun place. Next Saturday, the 28th, I'll be at Soul Jewels inside Sunnybrook, which is in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. On November 6th, I will be uh, for the New York Comedy Festival. I put a show together for the National Coalition Against Censorship, which is uh, I'm on the board of, and it's a fucking great, great lineup. We have uh, Mark Normand, Matteo Lane, Yamanika Saunders, Rich Voss, Adrian Iapalucci. Who else is on it? I think that's it. Well, there's other special guests, like very big name special guests that I can't announce yet. But that's at Gotham at 9.30 on Monday, uh, November 6th. What else? November 11th, I will be at the Marcus JCC of Atlanta, doing a performance and a book signing. And that is uh, at 8 p.m. on November 11th. Uh, so I have a bunch of gigs coming up, and I would love for you to come. And I have to say, it has not been... It's been kind of difficult having to perform, uh, considering what's going on uh, in the world. And also, the fact that when... I've noticed when you say anything online, it is people just take it the way they want to take it uh, instead of the way you intend it. Um, they just sort of mangle your intent. And I'm talking about when I, when I talk about anti-Semitism and I'm then blamed, you know, look what you're doing to Gaza. I'm not doing anything to Gaza. Uh, those people, the Gazans, are innocent people that deserve to be uh, live with dignity. I'm an American. I'm an American Jew. And there is an outbreak. For eight, anti-Semitism is up 488%. 488 percent. Israel was uh, 2% of their population is gone. Hamas is not, they're not militants. They're not resistance. They're terrorists. They are terrorists. And I have to say that the reason Gaza is, it, it doesn't have water and doesn't have, it's not Israel. It is Hamas. That is their leadership. They have been given money, so much money. And instead of building up Gaza into the beautiful land it could be and building schools and infrastructure and uh, playgrounds and creating jobs, they have built tunnels and they have created bombs and 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 terrorists because in their charter the number one thing that they stand for is that Israel doesn't have a right to exist and all Jews must die okay so when a Jew is talking about the way they're feeling and that they stand with Israel and that they're worried about the anti-semitism we are not saying that Gazans should suffer 
We are not saying that. We are not saying Palestinian children should suffer. Okay? That's not what we're saying. Okay? So we've got to stop this vicious cycle. Israel is not an apartheid state, and it's and it's an insult to people who live through apartheid. There are Arabs, as I've said last week, in the Knesset, in their Congress. There are 22% of the doctors there are Arabs. They... It, 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 this it, it is a democracy. The, 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 most many of those people who were murdered were against Netanyahu's policy. Were policies were for a two-state solution. They were at a peace concert. So stop celebrating in the streets and acting like these people are resisting. That that Jews deserve to die, and celebrating the deaths and the rape and the burning of these innocent people, and yes, the Gazans, the, those kids and and families, same. But I'm telling you right now, Hamas is ISIS, okay? And I'm going to tell you another story that I think is very very important about. I don't know, a year or two ago, I had Sally Frischberg on my podcast. She is a Holocaust survivor. And you should um, you should listen to that episode. There's two episodes, part one and part two. You should listen to her story and, and her fears at the time. This is, you know, a couple of years ago. And I was talking to her daughter, Leslie. Uh, I, I'm not ringing the bell, but you know I mean to ring the bell. I'm just so upset. Um I was talking to her daughter, Leslie, and I said, how's your mother doing? Because, you know, she's been through this before. And she said, you know, she's she's okay. She's She's watching the news. But she told me, and you really need to hear this. You know, if you listen to the Sally Frischberg episode, you'll know that she was hidden by a Polish family in Poland and lived in a a top floor of a barn, in the attic of a barn, uh, for two years. No heat, no sunlight, wore the same clothes, could not stand up straight. Two years, hidden, freezing. The only sunlight was through the slot, you know, in, in between the wood, this slit. And she survived, and Leslie's family survived. And Leslie has cousins who live in Israel. And the great-grandson of the righteous people who saved them and hid them, the great-grandson, called Leslie's cousins in Israel to see if they were safe and see how they were doing. 80 years ago, his great-grandparents hid their grandparents. And he, 80 years later, was calling to make sure they were safe. Now that, that is, it's, it is unimaginable, unimaginable and unbelievable. And it is unconscionable that people would be celebrating the deaths of innocent people in the deaths, celebrating in the streets. This is pure and unadulterated anti-Semitism. So stop it. We don't think Gazans should suffer. We don't think the Palestinian people should suffer. But they are under the they are under the the they're ruled by Hamas. And you know, all your gay groups, all the LGBTQIA plus groups who uh, who are supporting Hamas, go there. Go there. Be gay. Go there. Go there, be a, be a woman there. All you people, you know, um, R- Rashida Tlaib and, and um, what's her name? Elon uh, um, Omar. Go there. Go there and live as a woman. You can't even vote there 
as a woman. You think you could be in the government? You think you would even have a voice? Feminists? You think you could be a feminist there? Come on, people. No one wants innocent no one wants innocent lives lost. But this is pure evil. And we have to stop it. Okay, so I just had to get that off my chest, which is sagging. Um, because I'm so I'm so upset as as I know so many people are suffering. But come on. Read a book. Read a book. Learn about the conflict and learn about Hamas. Okay, I just had to, you know, sorry. Uh, no, I'm not sorry. But, um, and now, now I'm going to shift gears and you are going to sit back. We're just going to forget about, we're not, you know, we need to take a break from the news every now and then. I, I feel like I'm constantly watching it because I want to know everything that's going on. I'm, 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 I'm so concerned. Did they, did they free anyone? What's going on? And I, I just, I want, I want you to take a break and listen to this wonderful, wonderful comedian, Ashley Ray, performer. Um, what a fascinating life. You know, get your mind off of this shit. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part, part one of my interview with Ashley Ray. So you're fifth generation Texan, and then you moved to Rockford, Illinois at a very young age. But can you just tell me about your roots in Texas? That's incredible that you're the fifth generation living in Texas. Yeah, my family, uh, they've been there for forever. As far as I know, they started with some Irish potato farmers who, Mm -hmm. you know, slept with some of the slaves who lived next door. Somewhere in there, my family came out of the mix uh, and they moved to Waco, Texas. And so most of my family lived out there until they moved closer to Dallas. I I always the family motto is like you're born in Texas, you die in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I think that will be true for me. Right. uh, But I can't live there. I just can't do the middle Mm. part uh, because it's, you know, I I think my family stays there. Yeah. Yeah. They like the adversity. You know, my grandma was always like, oh, and, you know, my great grandmother was kicked by a white man and that made her so strong. And I'm just like, I not for, you know, oh, goodness. Do you typically uh descendants of slaves have very little to go on they have you know they don't have records like white people have and yet you know it, it, you're so, somewhat of an anomaly that you have yeah. this this history that that you know about which i bet you feel really lucky about that Yeah, we're pretty rare. Like my family, uh, somewhere along the line, Cato June, who was my great, great grandfather, uh, he got his freedom. So he started tracking the family line so we can take it all the way back to South Carolina and when we came over uh, and then where his three brothers went. Uh, And then my family, like we have family reunions every year and they have a book that's been passed down for I don't know how many decades. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like with our family stories. uh, Most of them, I think I learned as I grew up were lies. They were complete lies. One of them was that someone in our family invented the match and the cover of the book is like a lit match. That's like we guide the way. Right. And then (laughs) in 10th grade, I was like, actually, my great, great, great grandfather invented the match. He was a slave and a white man stole the idea. And my friends were just like a French guy did that. It was like usually, usually they're just like it wasn't even in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But I love that. I love that. And were they? Did they come over as slaves, or were they? They were brought yeah. over against their will. Let's let's yeah. remember this, Ron. You fuckhead. So they're <laughs> brought over here against their wi- will and treated as three fifths of a person. And yet five generations. So fuck you, Ron fucking DeSantis. Yeah. Go fuck the, yourself. Yeah. And the governor of Texas. That guy sucks too. He's a piece of shit. He, yeah, um, I fucking hate him. Okay. So as a kid, I love this. Uh, your mom had a daycare center in the house. 
Yeah. Now, was this when your father died when you were 14? I'm so sorry for that. But was did she have the daycare center when your father was alive? Uh, she did. But my dad lived in Texas still. So, uh, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, he had a. Uh, you have, you know so much about me. I'm just going to say everything. I was a love child. So my dad right. was already married and my mom was pregnant with me. And so he like I hid couldn't my find family. that anywhere. I was like sibling, oh, like out. Yeah, I couldn't find that anywhere. Yeah, so, yeah. I have eight brothers and sisters because my my mom like took me to Rockford to be raised, but my dad stayed in uh, Texas. Got, yeah. He would like come up every summer, and I would spend time with him and his family. So <laughs> it with was his, uh, the the eight kids. He had eight. Yeah, kids. like from his first marriage and then oh his second marriage, and then his family was like up in Milwaukee, which isn't right. too far from Rockford, so I could spend time with them. Uh, but the daycare, my mom, when she decided to, you know, leave my dad because he lied about having a family and all that stuff, she was like, "What? Single. A man yeah. lied about having a, a, a man Wait, lied I'm about? Not, yeah, I just passed out. I, I can someone get me some smelling salts? I, what, Goodness, what? Can, Ashley. First of all, that could never happen now because of social media. But yes, yeah. when I think about that, that you can't. I always say, you know, you can't have another family now because of, but. How do he was the last generation time? that could do it. Right. I feel like. And I who mean, has I, time? How do you have time, time to have another family and make yeah. it, and lie? He had to have a. He had a motorcycle, and he would always come see me on a motorcycle. And I was like, "That's just cool. That's my dad." And then later, right. I found out it was like because they only had one family car, and he couldn't take it. Right. Uh, but when I was in kindergarten, I wrote like a Happy Father's Day letter and got his address from something my mom had, and I sent it. And his kids and second wife found it. And that's when they were like, so you have another kid. Wow. That's such a great story. So, yeah, I, I blew I blew did the that, story open. Did that wife then go say, go fuck yourself or did she oh, stay no, with Oh, no, no. She stayed and she was like, you know, you got to figure that out. And she actually, she was very nice to me. Very, like, welcoming and stuff. Oh, she that's was just nice. Like, so she wasn't yeah, a she, doormat. Okay. No, no. She showed me okay. how to use a, a tampon, actually. So. Wow. That's an yeah. exciting thing for a young woman. It was. It you was. know what, Ashley? They didn't have tampons when I got my period. Um, I had to wear pads. W- and fuck anyone who's listening who doesn't want to hear about this. <laughs> Too bad. I had to wear a belt. Okay. It was a little. Yeah. Have you ever seen these? It's yeah, a little seen belt. These. And then it has the thing, like, like a girdle hook in the front and the back. Yeah. And you have to put. And it was huge. Because. And. And I was in the marching band. It would go back and forth and back and forth while I was marching oh. and get all – it was awful. So you know what? Don't tell me it's hard to be a guy, okay? It's yeah. nothing. It's so fucking easy. It's nothing, um, okay? Having that stuff – oh, God. And What now, kind I of tampon like- did you use? Did you use an OB or the tam- the one with the uh, Oh, Oh, no. It was always with an applicator. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't do the OB. It's, it's – yeah. I'm not – I, I wish I was that in tune with me, but I'm not. I Sorry. know. You got to put it on your finger and get yeah. it and slide. Yeah. Okay. And now I feel like the people love the period panties again. It's like they like this diaper thing that you, you know. Uh, no. I, I can't get into no. it. They get and then too what about the and- cup? That little cup oh. you put in there and then you'd sp- – no. No, thanks. No, thanks. Take care. I'm so clumsy. I'm so clumsy. Yeah, no. Um, no. Okay. So as a little girl, you are sort of like the cool house because there's all these <laughs> toys and a slide in your living room. And you were very – you know, and people wanted to come to your house. And then, of course, that they outgrew that. But before we get to that – you would perform stand-up sets in elementary school. You would literally verbatim perform these stand-up yeah. sets. <laughs> um, I have never in all my years heard of – I mean, I knew people who were fans of comedy, but never yeah. before was a kid actually taking the, 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 the stand-up of a comedian and performing them. Where did you do this and what – did your teacher say? Yeah, I went to this really tiny private school that I think encouraged artists, no matter what you were doing, they were like, go for it. 
Uh, every year they had a one month program called Fine Arts Week where every morning we would start the day with performances from students for an entire month. Oh, my God. Uh, any student could sign up. It was from like sixth to twelfth grade. You'd have like seventh graders who would just be like, I just want to get up there and sing the Pokemon theme song. Right. And the school would be like, we encourage yeah, your creativity. Uh, and so I would just sign up and get it, go up there and do full Mitch Hedberg sets. I know. I just, love <laughs> that you loved Mitch Hedberg. You know, I was obsessed with him. And I was just like, my friends, it's, they don't know about this. They're not watching right. Comedy Central late at night. And everybody thought I was so clever and funny. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I know this. all the funny I stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I saw uh, all these jokes. And kudos to your mother. Your mother, um, your mother wanted to make sure that you, you know, you got a scholarship to the school and your mother yeah. wanted to make sure you knew how to act and be and survive and not only survive, but excel around white people. I find yeah. that that is a fucking good mother. You know, I don't know if you know this, Paul Robeson. Do you know Paul Robeson? Oh, yes, of okay. course. Yeah, he went, to, he went to Rutgers, as did I. And he, when he, they had a child, they moved to Germany because to go to and put the kids in boarding school there because there was or Russia. I'm sorry, Russia, because there was no racism. And he wanted the, his kids to grow up in a place where no one people did not treat you differently because you were black. And, you know. I fucking love your mother. I think what a yeah. What I a mean, smart. Her, yeah, all the choices she made, starting the daycare, that was her being like, "I'm a single mom. I'm taking care of my kid," and she hated that she would leave me at daycare. So she said, "I'll start my own daycare right. and turn the entire first floor of our house into that." Uh, and then when I, it was time for me to go to middle school, she, you know, I got the opportunity to test for the scholarship. And she was like, I want you to go to this school so you're not intimidated by these rich white kids. And you realize that. you can have the same opportunities. They're not special. They're not smarter. They're just rich. Right. Uh, and that's exactly what I learned is that these rich kids, they are not that smart. They're doing so many drugs. The tiny oh, private yeah. schools. That's where the kids are doing the drugs and the crazy stuff. Uh, and then I was just there like, I'm here to learn Latin. <laughs> right. So. And also, you realize as you get older, the rich kids are rich because of their grandparents. It's not, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's not, you know, rarely is it, oh my God, I worked my ass up. You know, those are just, yeah. they're very few and far between. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, 
dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J U D Y G O L D 50, 50. Okay. Judy Gold 50. And use code J U D Y G O L D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You would print out weekend update scripts and put them in a binder. Yeah. And practice them. I would make, yeah, I would practice them and make my friends perform it. Uh, I would do it at school, make people join me, uh, especially during that fine arts week. I would just get up there and completely recreate weekend update and force people to have fun and do this with me. First of all, I want to know who, who were your top weekend update in the history of SNL, who do you think were the top weekend update anchors? I, I'm going to go number one, Norm. Uh, yeah, Norm's Norm was great. delivery taught me a lot. That was the one I, I always felt like I want to nail this, this deadpan. Right. You know, that informs my humor today. And then after that, Tina Fey, I was oh, a big. the best. Yeah, I was a big Tina, Amy, and Tina and Jimmy. Really, Tina and anybody. Yeah. I was Tina's all in. A, Tina is otherworldly. Otherworldly yeah. and so likable. I'm pretty sure I did also perform some of your sets, Kathleen Madigan, Maria no Bamford. No way! I love you so much! <laughs> I was such a comedy nerd. Oh my god! <laughs> I, oh my god, that's so nice! I used to listen to the Something Awful forums, and people would record like your sets at the cellar or whatever, wherever right. you were on tour, and they would upload them online. I would download them as like a middle schooler, and I, every week I would like rank my favorite comics based on these like new sets I was hearing on this like choppy recording. Oh my god, I love that! <laughs> and I would that. always just be like Judy, Maria Bamford, Kathleen <laughs> Madigan, you're my favorites. Oh, so. I love you. Okay, you went to journalism camp. Yeah. Okay. This brings nerdum to an entirely I mean, I went to music camp and that was really nerdy. Yeah. But you went to Now, first of all, how old That's were not you? Even the, oh god, yeah. I was like 15 at this point. So your 15, father had to, First of all, we we yeah. kind of went over, you know, we didn't talk about your father's death. Which, you know, you had this this sort of odd relationship with him because, yeah you know, and it's so funny. My father died when I was 27, which, you know, I I didn't think was that young because I knew people who lost their parents when they were young like you. But now my son's 27 and I go, oh, my God, that was, yeah. you know, young. But you're you lost your father. Like, first of all, how did you deal with your grief and how did you deal with your grief? in relation to these eight brothers and sisters and, you know, and the rest of his life, you know, it must've been because, you know, as I say, once a parent dies, you are a completely different person than you were before. Oh yeah. I, I realized the second I heard the news, I was like, Oh, I'm never going to be this little girl that I was again. Right. You lose your innocence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely changed. And at that point, you know, my, Eight, the, my brothers and sisters with my dad, they all knew about me. His wife knew about me. Uh, so I went down there immediately. But I was still a secret to most of the people in his social circle, most of his like other side of the family. His wife's family didn't know me. So right. at the funeral, everyone was just like, who's this girl who's, who, who looks just like him? Right. Uh, the pastor like said, let's pray for his children and listed everyone but me. And my grandmother had to like shout my name from the, wow. from the audience. It's like it's and like <laughs> Biden and the grandson. The grand- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just like, and Ashley. Yeah. And I was just like, this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. Great. Everyone's looking at me and wondering who I am. Uh, But they all just embraced me. And it was truly, we're family. We're always going to be family. He wanted us to be family. So we'll support each other. And we're all still really close. Oh, good. Uh, I was going to ask. Yeah. But I, we were all really close, but I think for me, I, my way of processing it was to stay busy uh, I immediately, the day after his funeral, had to go to theater camp. <laughs> my mom couldn't get a refund on my... Right. They refused to give a refund. They were like, we don't care if her dad died. That's if she so doesn't awful. Come. <laughs> right. God. Yeah. Right. I call him out every chance I get. Northern what? Illinois University, DeKalb Summer Theater Camp. It was messed up. You made That's me go. That's terrible, okay? DeKalb. Yeah. Horrible. Seriously? I had to go to theater camp where my first day there, day after my dad's funeral, they're oh like, let's God. play Zip Zap Zop. <laughs> they're like, everyone, let's do your Rose and Thorn and for your like, first day of yeah. camp. 
And you're and like, I'm like, my, my dad just died. Just died. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible. I yeah, and I was just a horrible, sad, mean person the entire first week of camp. I'm I like every time people are trying to have fun, I'm like, oh yeah, well my dad well, is my dead. Father did. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, we're gonna play I an improv game. I'm like, my dad. Yeah, I'm like, my dad can't improvise life. It's just, yeah, like, right. Things that made no sense. Uh, and um, eventually, people. Be- yeah. Can you be a, a tree? No, because my father's dead, you asshole. My dad died, yeah. okay? <laughs> uh, and, you know, the camp counselors pretty much did not try to make me follow rules. I would sneak out and smoke cigarettes, and they were like, her dad died. We got to let her do her thing. Fuck uh, you, but I, <laughs> yeah. But I ended up embracing a lot of comedy. Eventually, my friends started kind of making fun of me, and I just started laughing about it and was like, you know what? I think this is a reason I should be a funny person. Do you, Who, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Do you think, because the people you have mentioned that you sort of emulated or, you know, would listen to, they're all very unique voices. I all struggle with mental health stuff. Do you think, you know, because comedy is such a coping mechanism, I mean, for you to be that young and to realize the power of, Stand up, you know, that's pretty emotionally intelligent that you turn that grief and, you know, most people do it unconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. I think my therapist today would say, oh, no, I wish you'd learned a different trait because now you just make jokes every time I bring up anything serious. Oh, my God. Uh, too, And I'm just like, too bad. That's how we think. That's That's how how I think. It's how I find the beats. It's right. You know, so after my dad died and I go to theater camp, I realized like if I could make my mom laugh, she would be like, oh, Ashley's okay. She's laughing. She's like getting her work done. She's still pretending to be comedians at school. So do you think that was about you or her? Do you think that, that it was you, definitely about her? I yeah, hated seeing same. my mom sad and obviously losing my dad was hard for her, too. She loved him a lot. Right. You know, had, they had a difficult you know, relationship. Right. But it was so sad for her. And I, too. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I hated seeing her sad. She was she's more emotional than me. I had to kind of step into this position of being just I'm the logical one. I'm the one who's like, this is what needs to be done. Like, mom, stop crying. Like, I'll figure this out. Right. Uh, Yeah. And it's also you're you're 14 dealing with this. You're like, yes. Also, I'm 14. Yeah. Yeah. So you (laughs) and my my only outlet is is comedian. Right. But that is that's the really honestly, that is the. Mark of a true standup. I mean, there's so many people who don't get the craft and what it's about. And, you know, reading about you, I was like, wow, at such a young age. I mean, I remember watching, this is my Jubel, watching Joan Rivers <laughs> and realizing, oh, oh, I can, I can speak up. I can be loud and I can you know, get back at people, you know, in a way. And, and yet my parents yeah. loved her and, and, you know, it's, I don't know, it, it, it really, when you, when you grab onto a comedian or kind or, or comedian, comedians, pure, plural, not comedian. Cause I hate that fucking word, you know, and use and understand that it at such a, I mean, it freaks me out. Okay. You then went <laughs> to journalism camp. Why did yes. you go to journalism camp and I didn't even know there was fucking journalism camp. <laughs> and what the fuck did you did you write about what was going on in camp? Like, what was that yeah. like? Journalism so camp. It was it was in Charleston, Illinois, which is middle of nowhere. It's like where Jimmy John's, the fast food restaurant, was founded. That's its biggest claim to fame. Wow. But it's a small little town, and you go there. You pick a topic you're going to write about. It can be a local business, something happening in the community. Uh, and you spend three weeks working with professors on campus, the journalism wow. professors, uh, finishing the story. You go to like the Illinois State Senate and interview, learn how to in- interview people in state Congress. <laughs> how, uh, old it was you very the, nerdy. how old were you? Gosh, I think I was I was 15. I was oh, right. I'm trying to remember because yeah. I was dating. I had a I had like my high school boyfriend who I had lied to him about my age. Right. And told him I was 16, but I think I had just turned actually 15. Right. So yeah. What made you want to go to journalism camp? I always wanted to be a writer. I when I my mom had the daycare, I would write like the weekly daycare newspaper. And I just started doing oh, it my when God, I, I love that. <laughs> 
as soon as I could write, I would do these little updates like today we're going to have recess. And for lunch, there's mac and cheese and just my horrible handwriting. Right. Uh, and, and that just kind of evolved. I started writing for my local paper, The Rock. That, I know that you interned <laughs> at the local paper. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of figured, oh, if I go to this journalism camp, it'll give me an in with some people who maybe could get me a job or a summer internship at a paper. So and also God, I got an, so you got ambitious. an you got an Illinois press license card. If you did it, you got to join the Illinois press corps. Uh, and with that card, I could get press credentials to any concert I wanted. No fucking so way. Re- yeah. For the rest of high school, my friends and I, we went to Warp Tour, Lollapalooza, every no. single thing with press passes because I would just be like, I'm in the Illinois Press Corps. I'm covering this for my local paper. And they oh, my God. Say, I okay. love that. They'd be like, yeah, you're 15. But OK, we believe. Yeah, this works. <laughs> you know, I love my liquid IV that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone. Three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks. Eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team... They love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love Liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free. In bulk, nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! You went, you sort of transformed at 14, 15 because kids were no longer interested in, you know, playing in your house. Um, And you were in this, I'm going to be the best in this fucking school mode (laughs) and I'm going to prove myself. And you sort of survived on academics. Very true. And... You spent a lot of time alone because you said that, you know, it was so busy downstairs that after a while you were like, I can't listen to this cacophony of these kids and this and that. And a lot of kids who would spend time alone at that time would probably be druggies or go play video games 24-7. Like, but you really focused on academics. Yeah, I, you know, I going to this really rich kid school in fourth grade, by the time I was in sixth grade, which at that school, sixth through 12th graders are all in the same building. So I was in sixth grade and all my friends were eight, like in like juniors in high school. My friends were like 17, 18 years old. Uh, So by the time I was in seventh grade, I had started using drugs already. People Mm -hmm. at my school would just do coke and stuff in the bathroom. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, middle school makes sense because no one cares about this for college. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't 
I was was like in seventh and eighth grade fully using like Percocet. I was stealing it from my grandparents and selling it. I and then I was like, oh, you know what? It's time to go to high school and care about college. I got to put the drugs aside. And I stopped smoking pot, sobered up and was like, let's focus on high school. And mostly it was that my school was so racist. I had to. It was so, so racist. And the teachers encouraged it. Just some examples. Uh, kids would leave uh, chicken bones outside of my oh locker. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, they would play a game called throw the Jew in the can. There was only one Jewish kid in our class. Mm-hmm. And they would throw him in a trash can and throw pennies at him. And the teachers would, like, stand around and be like, throw the Jew in the can. And everyone was just like, this is normal. This is, yeah. And they didn't do a fucking thing? They didn't do anything to stop We're, it. Like, right, I would Ashley. Get it. Oh, I was going to, there was one time, uh, one of the kids, there were only three girls in my class and the girl was like, I don't want Ashley to come to my sleepovers because black people steal, but the other girl can come to my sleepovers. And instead of being like, that's racist, the school said she's allowed to do that. Instead, Ashley can go to sleepovers with the boys. (laughs) And that's. Fuck. Oh my. I love that you're laughing at this. Yeah, I never threw the pennies. Because it's so stupid. What yeah, I, I never threw know. the pennies. I never, I do want to say, I was one of the ones going, hey guys, I know Borat is making this like very popular right now, but I do feel like something is weird right. about this. I Were you friends with the Jew kid? Yeah, actually, we were really good friends. And when the, they made me do the boy sleepovers, they were always at his house. He would invite me. His mom was so sweet to me. <laughs> So and and they would just like make a section in his room where he'd be like, this is where you can watch movies and be a girl. We're going to go like play Hall of Call of Duty and Halo on our land network downstairs. Uh, So, yeah, it was just he tried to take he really did. It was, you know, people tried. It was still just everyone accepted the racism. When I graduated, uh, one of my white guy I thought was a friend of mine. For my graduation present, he bought me like two giant things of grape Kool Aid, and this was like in front. Oh, it's like a racist. Yeah, it's like a stereotype that black people love grape Kool Aid, and it's like all we drink. It's like old, yeah, old school racism. And you know, it comes from their parents. It all comes from their parents. And honestly, it was one of those things where when it happened, I didn't even realize. I just thought, oh, did you think we didn't have enough drinks for the party? Like, do you want me to take it? And he was like, no, that's your gift. Because, right, black people love Kool-Aid. And my mom, my her church pastor is there, all these people, and they wanted to fight him. And I was just like, please, he doesn't, he's stupid. He thinks right. it's funny. It's he thinks it's ironic racism. Idiot. Yeah. Just leave him <gasps> alone. Oh, so that I me just off. I wanted to prove all these racists wrong. And at my school it was so competitive. You knew who the top students were. Uh, if you took extra classes that showed you were a better student. So the kids who just took Spanish, they were kind of seen as the lazy students. So I took uh, ancient Greeks, Latin and Spanish. Uh, I took three different art classes. I took tech theater and regular theater. I did as many classes as I could. All the extracurriculars. I was in musicals, plays. I was on JV soccer, uh, Amnesty International. I just anything. I would just do it all to be like, you racist. I can be better than you. I'm going to get into a better school than you. (laughs) And you're just white. So I love that. Fucking go, Ashley. That is, yeah. that's my girl. Yeah, you, it made me a really competitive asshole. It really did. I, if in high school, I truly was such a competitive jerk. I, <laughs> but it's it's good for the showbiz. I'll tell you that much. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Okay, you then go to Williams College. Another whitey white from Whitesville. <laughs> white, white, whiter than white. I mean, so, my son. So my son plays. Um, you know, he's the captain of the oh, Trinity basketball team in in Hart, uh, Hartford. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, he talks about the racism constantly. And will they're all you know because he's just played basketball his whole life. He has, you know, he when he went to Trinity, he was like, "Mommy, these cars." They all have cars. They're all white. You know, like he couldn't yeah. believe it. That's not it, not how he grew up. And yeah. you you choose. Why did you choose Williams? 
Uh, at the time, they were the first no-loan college in the country. So if wow. you went to Williams the year I applied, you would not have to take out any loans. They would cover everything with scholarships uh, or merit-based uh, money. So my first, uh, well, I went abroad one year and then they made me take loans out. But basically all four years, I never had to take out loans. Wow. Uh, they paid for all of your textbooks. And that was the only reason I found this information and I knew, you know, my mom did not make a lot of money. My, you know, I didn't get a lot when my dad passed. So I knew I could not afford to go to NYU like I wanted to. Right. So I thought I want to go to the best school I can that is financially feasible. And I that day I got like a pamphlet from Williams that was like, we are no loan now. And you were like, I, bing, bing, bing. So, yeah, and I, I applied. They also had a program called Windows and Williams where they flew out poor kids and they paid for everything. They It was like probably only my third time on a plane. They paid for it, uh, pay for your like this nice car to drive you to campus, yeah, which is all very liberal there and great yeah. theater program. Wonderful um, theater program. And, uh, and yet, I fell in love. I saw the campus and I was like, so this is where cute. I want to go. Yeah. Did you it ever? So um it's so white. It's like your school. It's like the school yeah. you went to high school. To, turned up to 11. Like I went from going to school with rich kids who had elevators in their houses to kids who were like, oh, yeah, I'm one of the princes of Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jim, like Jim Cramer's daughter went to my school wow. and at one point like a helicopter picked her up and I was just like, oh, what? <laughs> so did you ever work at the Williamstown Theater Festival in the summer or – I did. I yeah. did it. Uh, God, that would have been the summer after sophomore year. I worked that in Reunion, uh, which staying on campus during the summer, it's such a small town, like the closest grocery yeah, store is I did, 30 I did the away. festival. I've done oh, it. Oh, so yeah. So you yeah. know how isolated it is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's great when you're lovely. working on a show or you're, you know, it's really yeah, focused on. Yeah, separate, but for theater there. Yeah, I for me, it. I was just like getting drunk and trying oh, to just make. Unusual. <laughs> yeah, for, it was a college, college kid getting students, drunk yeah. and just making tips and trying to find something to do. We would mostly buy six packs and sit around like fires. You know, there's a lot of hiking you yeah. can do over there. But you then you'll just meet all these amazing celebrities who are there for the festival. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh, who's that guy? Oh, he was in A Star Is Born. Everybody loves him. <laughs> oh, what's his name? Uh, that the recent. Guy. The recent yeah. A Star is Born? Or the recent one, Bradley oh, yeah. Cooper. Yeah, Bradley yeah. Cooper. Bradley Cooper. I was, yeah, I was hungover as hell, woke, walked into the sandwich place, and there's Bradley Cooper sitting yeah. right there. That's great. Justin Long, wonderful. Yeah. You, you graduate. You go to Chicago. Why, why do you think you chose Chicago oh, over I New York? I miss the Midwest. I miss the yeah, Midwest. You, you seem to. You I love, Yeah. I love the Midwest. I loved growing up there. Most of my friends had gone back to Chicago, but I did. I wanted to go to New York. I felt like that was how I was going to challenge myself. It was how I could do creative stuff. Uh, but then my friends got an apartment and they had an extra bedroom and they were like, come on, just come to Chicago. You love it here. You can get work in TV or advertising here. Come on. Uh, which not so true, but yeah. <laughs> but you you do you were very into storytelling and you did spoken word and storytelling competitions. Yeah, the mob. Um, and you moved to Chicago. You get a job at The Onion. Is that yep. correct? Yeah. And you are doing, you're writing ads for them. Yeah, they let and me write funny ads. There would be brands who'd be like, we want that Onion humor right. for, you know, David's Bridal. <laughs> right. And you realize, wow, I could be a comedy writer and you and you start going out because you you got did you get sick of the story? You didn't like the audiences. Oh, yeah. You didn't, I, like, I didn't the like the Chicago audience. audiences with yeah, the storytelling. You know, and with storytelling, I you you it's a deeper thing. You I would go into the more emotional sides of things, but I just liked the funny parts. And I hated after when the audience would come up to me and be like, that was so moving. That was so oh, yeah, sad. Oh, I'm so sorry that that happened. But and finally, uh, Sarah Sherman, who is on SNL now, Sarah yep. Squirm. Yeah, I love her. She was hosting an open mic at this bar, Coles, and she was like, you know, why don't you just do the funny parts? Why don't you just right. get on stage and just do the funnies and parts you of felt, the story? I, I read that you felt like they were sort of pandering. Oh, you're this 
black woman who yeah uh, and and you were just like no nope i'm yeah. not doing this shit they i'm not expect gonna be you your to, little yeah they expect you to do like the spoken word beat where it's like and when i found myself after right. and it's like i hated it and, and they can be i'm not racist because yeah, like, really oh. you know that whole fucking yeah, and shit she's One so time. serious and i love this po- i love this poet right. and I didn't. I, didn't I want had that a friend. Me. I had a. Oh shit! I had a friend who once said to me, "I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but Rent had just come out on Broadway, and they went to see Rent, and they were like, I really understand your community now.' I'm like, <laughs> you do not understand. You saw a fucking yeah, musical. You saw Rent. Okay. <laughs> okay, go visit my friends who are lying in, you know, hospice care or in, in at, I don't even know if they had hospice, but are lying in the hospital and the parents have, dis- like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah that, I hate that shit. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my interview with Ashley Ray. Part two, of course, will be next week. Uh, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling, and marketed and clipped and everything else, everything else by Brittany Joe Sowards. Richmond. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, I am on La Road. I had such a great time in Women's Week. Uh, we sold out every show and I had to add a show, which was so wonderful. So thank you for everyone who came out to support me during Women's Week. I also want to say that uh, I am at, as I mentioned, I'm in Fort Lauderdale this uh, Saturday, the 21st at the Sunshine Cathedral, Soldiers inside Sunnybrook at Pottstown, Pennsylvania on the 28th, November 6th. I am doing a benefit at Gotham Comedy Club in New York City for the National Coalition Against Censorship, full of stars, full of stars. And I will be in Atlanta. That's right, Atlanta on uh, November 11th at the Marcus Jewish Community Center and I'm getting a total knee replacement on November 20th okay so that'll be a great that's that's a that's a good times right there so anyway I want to thank you for listening I want everyone I want to pray we got we need peace we need peace and we got you know you gotta stop with the fucking anti-semitism We are two-tenths of 1% of the population of the world. Stop it. We don't want any of this. And we don't support any of this. So, stop it. What else? I, um, I don't know. I, 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 um, I hope you enjoyed the interview and, and forgot about all this shit for a while. And I love you all. And thank you all for writing about my last week's podcast. I, I really thank you. I, I was I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I felt like I had to do that. And I, I really appreciate your words of support. And um, I'd like to do it more often, actually. So maybe I'll start a Patreon. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I love you all. Thank you all so much for listening. And... I mean, if you're still listening, but God only knows. But um, thank you. I appreciate it. And as we always say, so long.